0: Hey there, and <laughs> welcome to another episode of Lakeside. I'm your host, Daniel Stambaugh, and I'm glad you're here with me today. We are going to have a transformational day today. We're going to take the next few minutes and talk about our identity in Christ, That is who we are in Him and who we are to Him. And this is powerful because identity brings purpose. Let's get started. side and it's episode number 10 and we're talking about song of Solomon and we're rolling through this book and I'm telling you what this is really really great stuff because uh, when I when I first started this journey with God this 90-day journey with God I I came to him as someone that was broken in my life asking God to give me intimacy asking God to give me closest intimacy just simply means into me see and I was asking him for that in my life because what I had been doing is systematically going through every relationship in my life and doing damage to them demanding that they be something for me that they were never designed to be. I took the relationships in my life and and demanded from them that they provide me with affirmation, provide me with intimacy, provide me with closeness and love, and honestly expecting that from those relationships, expecting to be fulfilled from that. But the truth is that I was designed to find that in Christ, and you were designed to find that in Christ. And we can go to a job, we can go to a relationship, we can go to um, a, a hobby or a sport, or even a pastime that provides us fulfillment, and expect that to be our affirmation. Our identity is based upon that. In fact, even as a working in the full-time ministry, I looked at my my title as associate pastor. I looked at that as a uh, fulfillment. I looked at that as some sort of a identity. My identity was based on what I did and not on me, and so when I left that profession, um, I left that that full-time status of the church. It was just I went from I'm Daniel, assistant pastor at da-da-da-da, to just I'm Daniel, <laughs> and there was what it comes after that, and it was a struggle. It was like, okay, who am I? If I'm not this, and my whole life has been geared towards this, now when that's over with, now what? And you find someone that's a professional or in a profession or a field and they lose their job or they or they make a mistake or something happens where they're no longer able to fulfill that profession anymore and the depression sets in and even suicidal thoughts set in because their identity was tied in to that particular profession or into that title. And once that was gone, all of a sudden they lost that and they were like, what am I? Who am I? And so finding that in Christ and saying, look, who am I? And and I want closeness, I want approval and affirmation, but people keep keep letting me down and jobs keep letting me down, and uh, profession keeps letting me down, and hobbies and skill lets me down. So what is my identity? And when he showed me my identity, it was found in Christ. And when you find that, all of a sudden, it's like, wow, uh, I was demanding approval from all these sources that could never give me approval. So we're we're moved into this uh, status of the book, and we're, where she is now finding value in the king. The king has been displaying this over the last several episodes, and like I said, we're, we're 10 in now. So over the last nine episodes, we looked at this exchange exchange between the shepherd girl and the king. And that is the lyrics of the song. We looked at the melody, which is the sexual content of the song. And now we're looking to, and we've been looking at the message. And so as we look at the message of where we're at now, we start to look at this, um, opportunity. We start to look at this, um, this aspect of the relationship. So they have actually moved into the chamber where they're eating. It's the girl and the king, and she's adjusting to her life in the palace. She's adjusting to being royalty. She's adjusting to being around the king and wanting to be close to him and wanting to be by this king who is feeding her, who's um, who's feeding her not just uh, taking care of physical needs for her, but he's taking care of her heart. He's taking care of her emotions. He's taking care of her mind, and he is uh, systematically breaking down every false teaching of her value, and every false teaching of her identity in her life and restoring those with a correct mindset of who she is now because of her relationship with him. And so what, if anything, as a Christian, the maturing process is, is where God breaks down those barriers and he systematically undoes those things in our life that we found value in and begins to teach us, if we allow him to, teach us exactly who we are in him and where those uh, positions and where those relationships fall in line uh, in accordance to our new identity in Christ. And so, chapter number one and verse number 12 and verse 13 really kicks in. I'm going to combo those two passages with this particular episode of Lakeside. So it says, while the king was sitting at his table, my spikenard sendeth forth the smell thereof. A bundle of myrrh is my beloved unto me. He shall lie all night betwixt my breasts. It's a very um, graphic picture here. And if you don't not careful, what you'll do is you'll allow the melody of this song to detract or to take away from the message and to blind you. And I think it's awesome because the king desires to be the shepherd girl because he enjoyed her company. He enjoyed her. He wanted to be around her because he enjoyed her. Her words were fragrance to him. and He's captivated with everything about her. And I love that beautiful connotation of him sitting there. He's completely at rest. He's sitting there beside, They didn't sit at the tables like we do at our tables. They would actually lounge on these couches beside a small, low, uh, low-profile table, and they would eat and lounge there. And he was lounging with her. Like, they were together, they were relaxed, and he was with her, and he enjoyed being with her, and she knew it. Like, she knew that he delighted in her. She didn't necessarily understand it, but she accepted it. And there's a thing that when you and I don't necessarily understand why God delights in us as much as he does, you don't have to understand it. He has never one time asked that you understand his love for you. He simply asked that you accept it. And so she's there with him and to understand that God desires your company. God desires your company. He finds complete satisfaction in you. In fact, he desires it so much that he provided a way for you to experience a relationship with him. You know, if you wonder, does God really, truly desire my company? And when I tell you that God delights in you, if your first response is to go back to something you have done to you, then honestly, you're just like this girl in the book. Because I was. Man, someone would tell me, Daniel, God delights in you. And the very first thing I would do is go back to this Rolodex of all the reasons why he shouldn't. The truth is, if you ever find yourself feeling distant from the king, then you have focused on what you have done to you instead of what he has done for you. Because I read John 3.16 and it shows me that God delights in me. Like he delights in me and he delights in you so much that he was willing to send his son to die on the cross to establish that connectivity, that relationship, and to bridge that gap, to tear the temple veil, so to speak, to make that access possible to his heart and to his fellowship. Like He desires you. You only do something like that if you desire the person that you're doing this for. He didn't just give his son just because he had nothing better to do. He looked at you and he looked at me and said, I desire a relationship with them so much so that I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to this extreme to make this a permanent connection, to permanently restore them. In fact, nothing they can ever do or nothing they can ever say will undo this bond that I'm creating with them because of the cross. In fact, I'm going to put my spirit inside that I'm going to indwell them with my Holy Spirit, and it's going to indwell them and permanently connect our spirits together, and I'm going to join with them so much so that no matter what they do, no matter where they go, they're going to take me with them. Paul said you can join yourself to a prostitute, but be careful because you're joining God there. You're bringing him into that activity. He is not a prayer away. He is closer than that. He is right there, and nothing you can ever do can shake him. He is establish that connection with you. And I love that to say, look, the king rests with me and the king rests with you because he delights in us. He delights in you. God delights in you. The creator of the universe, the one that holds your breath in his hand, the one that spans the galaxy in the span of his hand, the one that holds the galaxy the universe in the span of his hand. Heaven is his throne. Earth is his footstool. That God, the God of the universe delights in you. And he proved it. By going to an extreme measure to reunite Himself with you. You know, God delights, He desires you. God loves watching you go about your day. He listens to the words of your life song and He's mesmerized. This is a fragrance, a bundle of myrrh. And back then, the bride would wear a uh, little satchel of myrrh. It was a little bag of incense, or uh, like a perfume. And she'd wear a little leather pouch, and it would go right in, right by her cleavage, right there below the the neckline of her garment. It would sit right there and give off a fragrance. And the king sat with her, and as he sat with her. He inhaled that fragrance. He was close enough to her to inhale the fragrance that she was giving off right there at her, right at the at the, uh, the epicenter, I guess, at the closest part of her attention right there in her face. He was inhaling that. And she was saying, the king is right here. He is just like this pouch. He is right there. He's held close to my body. He's held close to me. He's close enough to inhale me. And the fact is that God is mesmerized with you. He chose you because you satisfy him. He loves to touch your life because every time he does, it reminds him of every other moment that he's touched your life. How amazing is that? I want you to be aware today that you, when you thrill to understand when God is interacting with you, that God is thrilling because he's aware that he's interacting with you. Like those times when you, the, they take place in life and you're like, man, that there's no other explanation, but that is God that was there. God was involved in that, that God is thrilling at that too because God is very much aware. And I love this passage because it speaks of closeness. It speaks of rest. It speaks of intimacy. A bundle of myrrh is my beloved unto me, shall lie all night betwixt my breast. She was confident that the king's heart and his presence was going to stay with her. It was going to be like that satchel. It was going to accompany her everywhere she went in that palace. She was taking him with her. Everywhere she went about her day, the king is right here. And just like that pouch would not have been removed, it would have stayed with her every activity of the day, she was saying, the king is there with me. Like his heart is here with me. I don't understand it, but I accept it. I accept the fact that he is with me presently. Do you realize there is nothing that you're going through right now that the king is not with you? and He's not delighting in you. Man, I don't care if it's a a job interview, or a radiation treatment. He's with you. Maybe it's a loss or a funeral, or maybe it's a victory. He's with you. It's a difficult time in life. He is with you. You are carrying the king with you, and he is there close enough to inhale you. And he delights in you. He delights in you. Every time you move, he's touching your life. Every time you extend yourself, He's touching your life. And to me, I look at that the times where I felt like God was so distant from me, and to realize that He has never been distant. To look back at all those times and I realized, man, every time I went through that, man, that time that I felt I was the most alone, that time that I had those thoughts of just being done. You look back at your life and all the times where you, everybody else turned their back on you. And remember those times in your life where you thought you were alone, you thought it was over, you thought it was done. There was no reason why you should keep going. There was no reason why you should pick up and keep walking and keep moving. You blew it. You lost it. You failed. It was over. You remember all those times? You remember those times in your life when you felt completely abandoned? and forsaken understand this when you thought nobody else could see you he was there and he was close enough to touch you and he was close enough to inhale you and he has never left you he delights in you i want you to take some homework today i like to give you these homework assignments because it does make a difference i want you to write down somewhere on a, a note, maybe a scratch paper or something where you can see it. Maybe look at it a couple times today. Write it on your mirror. Write it on three or five cards. Just write these words down. I delight God. John three sixteen underneath that. I delight God. John three sixteen. You delight him. Because the adversary is going to lie. He's going to make you try to take his mind. Remember the mindset of Satan? We talked a few episodes back. The mindset of Satan is a mindset of rejection. And let me tell you, God, Satan puts that mindset on, on the crowd that's in the church just as much as he does the crowd that is outside the church, so much so that we're willing to do anything in order to be accepted, to find somebody that accepts us. And I'm telling you, you have been accepted. You are not rejected. You have never one time ever accepted been rejected no one has that power but God and he's already decided he accepted you you've never been rejected he delights in you John three sixteen proves the fact that he delights in you enough so that I will send my son to die on the cross for you I will bridge the gap I'll restore your soul no wonder she looked at the king no wonder she no wonder she fell in love with him over and over and over again Because the closer you draw to him, the farther behind you have to leave your own notions and your own perceptions of your identity. When the king is telling you your identity, you have to check yours at the door. You have to check your own understanding of your identity. You have to check all of that stuff that you based your worth and value on. You have to check that at the door and realize, man, it only comes from the source. And the more that I know him, the closer I get in my understanding of who he is and his power and what he has done in my life, man, the more I adopt what he says, of me over what I say of me, the more I adopt what he says of me over what other people have placed in my life to realize, man, you have been with me all of this time and you have never stopped wanting to be with me. you never stopped delighting me. You gave your son to die on the cross for me back before I committed my first sin. You were already in the process of forgiving me. Man, (laughs) that blows my barn doors off, y'all. He loves us that much. He delights in you. I love this passage. While the king sits at his table, it's my spikenard that sendeth forth the smell thereof. While he sits at the table, it's me that he notices. A bundle of myrrh is my beloved unto me, shall lie all night betwixt my breasts. No matter where you go, even in the darkest times of your life, the darkest parts of your night, where you feel the most alone, He's there with you. And nothing you can do scares him. <laughs> nothing you can say makes him feel uncomfortable. <laughs> He's there. He's there. To know that you're worth and to know that you're value, I honestly believe that you can make it through anything in life if you truly understood exactly how loved you are. And so that's what makes this so phenomenal. That's what makes this passage so beautiful. That's what makes this the greatest song as you start to look at these passages for what they're saying. And honestly, it regenerates and revitalizes your heart to go about your day today to know that I delight God. I delight him. Man, there may be people that are not delighted with me. (laughs) There may be people around me that do not want to see me coming. But man, I delight God. I delight him with every action. I delight him because I belong to him. Now, as he's talking with her, you know, after dinner, he begins to talk to her and he makes us see speaking unto her. And when he speaks to her, every time the king speaks to the shepherd girl, pay close attention because what he says to her is phenomenal in its depth. It's phenomenal in its richness. And he uses a lot of visuals to compare her to because he's showing her the kingdom. Whenever you see him making a comparison of her with something, with some item, you have to ask the question, what? What is being said? Why is he making this comparison? What is it about? this item that makes it stand out enough for him to make that comparison. Um, When you and I try and find words for something, man, we search in our mind. We're like, "Uh, can we try and pull something out to compare with, um, man, that that cheeseburger it tasted just like, and we throw something out as a comparison. And when he compares her and her value to him, he starts to bring out things in the kingdom that he's showing her. And he has this garden, and he's going to talk about, we're going to talk about this garden tomorrow. And when you see this garden, you are never going to look at a flower the same way. (laughs) You're never, I promise you, you will not only, will you never look at a flower the same way, but you'll never look again at what you do day to day, your job here, your assignment, Christians don't have jobs, they have assignments, but the assignment God has placed you in, you will never look at it the same way, you won't look at your family the same way, and you won't look at why you have, you ever ask God, why did you, why am I here, like why am I, what did you put me here, why am I at this church, why am I at this job, Why why am I with the family I'm married to, or married into, why am I here, if you've ever asked that, you will want to hear tomorrow's episode, because it's going to explain something, and you'll never look at it the same way. And I promise you, it's going to strengthen your hope and your belief. Thank you so much for being with me today. God bless you. Hope you have a fantastic day today. Make sure you give away your smile today. Your smile is your source and the world is hungry for your source. God bless you and we will see you tomorrow.